Hello and welcome back to Digital Health Forward. I'm your host, Dandy Zhu, and today I had the chance to chat with Natasha Prasad, Chief Customer Officer at Clio. Clio is a family benefits platform and support system for working families. With its integrated family benefits platform, Clio combines proactive expert guidance with an intuitive engagement hub to help connect families with the support they need to be their best at both work and at home. Representing 55 countries and over 100 enterprise clients, Clio is reinventing how forward-thinking employers support families that work around the world. In this conversation today, we learn about Natasha's personal career journey, the trends we're seeing in family benefits and employee benefits, what Clio has built using a unique guide-based model, how employer-focused business models work in digital health, and how Clio has stepped up to support parents over the last year during the pandemic and this particularly tough time of need. Hey, Natasha, it's great to have you on the show. Hi, Dandy. It's great to be here. I'm super excited to learn more about your story and your journey through healthcare, hear about Clio, especially given how much the pandemic has impacted families and working parents. Thank you so much for being here and taking time. Absolutely. Thanks for having me and excited to dig in here. Well, to start, we always ask our guests to share a little bit more about their background and where their interest in healthcare and for you, I guess, wellness also stems from. And then how did you end up at Clio? Absolutely. My passion for healthcare started at a really young age. My father's a cardiac surgeon. My mother's a clinical psychologist. Both my grandfathers are doctors and a number of aunts and uncles are in the field as well. And so I grew up in a household in which a lot of the dinner table conversation revolved around patient care. I've been passionate about access and, and impact my entire life. To give you a bit of context, when I was 12, My parents followed through on a move they'd been planning for a long part of their careers, which was to move our family from the UK, where we'd spent the previous decade, to a very remote corner of Eastern India that was, and quite honestly, continues to be really underserved from a healthcare perspective. And my dad's dream was to be able to offer cardiac surgery and open heart surgery in particular in um, Bihar, which is India's poorest state. It's the most underdeveloped state. And to give you a sense, the per capita income there is just over $110. And it was a dream that I saw him fulfill firsthand. It was not an easy transition, I'll tell you, moving from the UK to Bihar. But living those 10 years in India, five of which were in Bihar, really enabled me to see firsthand and live firsthand the issues stemming from an access issue, um, from a lack of access to basic healthcare. And so it's just something that's been part of my DNA from a really, really young age. So what happened when I started high school and um, started thinking about career paths was I received very firm guidance from my parents to not go into healthcare because of (laughs) how hard a path it had been from them. And because at the time, you know, the only path conceivable to them was to become a doctor, right? And it was and continues to be a, a long path and a hard path, you know, one that is incredibly fulfilling. But, you know, I think my parents' goal was in part to have me and my brother be financially independent kind of earlier in our careers than they had been able to be. And so naturally, when I graduated from Cambridge, I joined an investment bank, which I can tell you is pretty much the opposite of working in healthcare. But, you know, over over the years, I, I transitioned during business school to entrepreneurship and tech in particular, just with that same underlying passion for impact. 
and spent the early part of my career post HBS working in product. I worked in product at Paperless Post in New York, worked at Rent the Runway, and then worked at Atlassian in Sydney, Australia, and was at Atlassian um, kind of the two years leading up to the IPO was really in a fantastic position to have been able to learn so much and learn about product and product development and engineering from a company that's truly world-class at it. But this passion that I had for health and wellness was something that I I couldn't shake. And so Mm. I um, saw an opportunity in Sydney that I think a lot of people were waking up to around the world, which is fitness as an experience, right? And not just as a, a means to an end to, you know, lose weight or whatever it might be, but to really have that be the journey in and of itself, to enjoy it, to have it be very experiential and to really bring it under one umbrella. And so myself, you know, I, I rode in college and had been really active throughout my life. And while I was living in Sydney, I was going one place to swim, another for tennis, another for Pilates. And so saw this opportunity to aggregate and bring everything under one umbrella. And so launched a company called Fit Sessions, with some great partners on the tech side and on the design side. And it was a market that was heating up pretty quickly when ClassPass out of the US was starting to look further afield and look at expanding outside of the US. And um, they came over to Australia and were really looking at building out the business there. And so we connected and chatted and over the course of a month, got really excited about the idea of joining forces. And so they acquired the business and acquired me in to launch ClassPass in Australia. Wow, that's so cool. It it really it really was a dream job in so many ways because I I got to do exactly what I was doing, which was be the CEO of the Australian business, be an entrepreneur, build the platform from the ground up, but do it as part of, you know, a much more established brand and a much more established R&D team. And, um, you know, on the back of the success that ClassPass had already had in the US. And so spent two and a half years doing that, building out the sales, customer success team, launch operations, marketing. Um, So much of, of what we were doing was localized to Australia and just had an absolute blast working for the company and, you know, being in the domain that I was really passionate about which is health and wellness. And so fast forward a few years, you know, five years had gone by in Australia. My husband and I had originally gone there with the intention of staying for a year or two, but we just absolutely loved it, loved living on the beach in Bondi. And so daughter was born and really experienced what I think a lot of parents are facing, especially right now, which is this incredible disconnect, right? We were in Sydney, a place that we loved, and yet we were so far away from family and friends and from community in a physical sense. And, you know, had still kind of had a positive experience overall, but one that was challenging without a doubt. And so started looking into this space of FamTech and parental support and really it was very nascent at the time if that and Mm -hmm. just a huge lack of support a huge lack of sophistication certainly nothing was tech enabled it really was much more of a cottage industry came across Clio, which had actually been founded by a classmate at business school at HBS and someone I'd known and respected. And so started tracking Clio a little bit, got in touch and stayed in touch. And so 
When my husband and I decided we wanted to come back to the U.S., we moved to San Francisco. And, you know, the conversation with with Clea really picked up as they were scaling rapidly and looking for somebody to build out their operations and build out that practitioner and provider side of the business, which in many ways, very analogous to ClassPass, right? The two-sided marketplace of matching Mm -hmm. Members for us in in our case at Clio, it's it's really the families and end users to the right providers, to the right practitioners, and serving that support in a way that is really holistic. And so that opportunity was really compelling, combined with just the broader opportunity to have impact in an area that is so underserved, having gone through it personally, and was really drawn to the founding team, which is and continues to be really atypical to women of color, founded Clio, and the extended leadership team and the broader team is also incredibly diverse, incredibly mission-driven, and so was thrilled to come on board officially in that summer of 2018. What an amazing career journey. It just sounds like you've had so many formative experiences in a variety of contexts that I'm sure serve you very well now as Chief Customer Officer at Clio. But it's it's great to see that you were able to integrate your love for entrepreneurship and health and wellness and be in the States all together. When it came to joining Clio at that time, how many people were there and what was the vision at the time? At the time, the company was about 30 people. So Clio had just raised their Series A and there was a robust operations team, a very small but mighty team mm-hmm. uh, that had been built actually by Dr. Chitsuraki Leswaran, who is our co-founder and continues to be our chief medical officer at Clio. And, you know, this concept of the guide-led model is one that Chitra had co-founded and one that really endures today and continues to be one of our key parts of our value proposition and key differentiators. So we really believe in the guide model. And what that is, is essentially this concept of continuity of care. So when you enroll in Clio as an employee at a company that offers Clio as a benefit, you are matched to a Clio guide who is an employee of Clio and is a practitioner um, in the healthcare field, right? And so it might be a certified nurse midwife, it might be a lactation consultant, might be a therapist or parent coach. And that's the profile of Clio guides who are working at Clio and, and supporting families. And the guide actually stays with you for Mm -hmm. as long as possible throughout your journey, right? So whether you're starting out thinking about your path to parenthood, whether that's egg freezing or IVF or spontaneous conception, or whether you're carrying a child or have recently had a child or a parent to a child up to the age of 12, we strive for you to have that continuity of care with your guide. And all of the other support is delivered through Clio's app, through our specialist network as needed. And so the care team is really as custom and as broad as you need it to be for for your needs as the parent. But so going back to your question, at the time, the team was about 30 people. I think operations was um, about seven people. And the goal of the role was to really build the infrastructure to be able to scale the operations team very rapidly to keep pace with all of the clients, all of the employer partners that we we're bringing on board, and all of the members um, who were enrolling in Clio for support as parents. Got it. Um, and I definitely want to dive into the 
guide model more later in the interview. Um, but just so we have a little bit more context, tell us a bit about Chief Customer Officer. What does that role entail? So Chief Customer Officer at Clio is really encompassing the teams that are delivering support to the member, to the end user, which is parent, as well as delivering support to all of our employer partners. So all of our clients are companies, they're enterprise companies, and we have um, customer success managers who own everything post-sale, right? So all of the implementation, all of the ongoing utilization reporting, insights, strategy for that customer to be successful, everything post-sales that's of a commercial nature as well. And then, like I said, the, the member operations side of the business is the guide team, as well as our specialist network, and then central operations, which is helping to power both of those teams and networks. Got it. Okay. Before we deep dive into the current product offering, it would be helpful, I think, for our listeners if you could provide a bit more of context around the employee benefits and family benefits space. And sort of what are the problems that Clio is helping solve? What are the gaps that you guys are closing? Yeah, so there are a few key themes that have emerged over the last few years in employee benefits. So first of all, I'll say that Clio's market is there are over 150 Americans who have employer-sponsored healthcare plans, right? And so over $3 trillion are spent annually on employer-sponsored healthcare plans. And then the benefits market in particular is about $60 billion as of 2021. So America in particular has a really strong history of employers stepping in to provide support where, you know, everything else falls short, right? So healthcare is, of course, the the number one example of that. But as employers are in this arms race, essentially, for talent, there's a number of other areas of support that employees need in order to do their best work and, you know, in order to kind of stay loyal to the company, stay engaged and be productive, right? And so there's been an expansion of employer-funded benefits from core healthcare to wellness, right? So things like Headspace and Calm, meditation mm-hmm. apps, mindfulness, right? right? As well as wellness in the realm of whether it's a membership to a class pass or to a local gym or to, you know, providing a wearable step tracker. So all of that has been happening for a number of years, but over the last five years, I would say in particular, there's been an acceleration to fill the gaps where traditional healthcare is really falling short. So if you look at companies like Livongo, like Hinge Health, which focuses on musculoskeletal, like Lyra and Ginger, which focus on mental health, like Clio, which focuses on holistic family support. These are gaps that aren't currently being served by the U.S. healthcare system. And so employers are really stepping in to support American workers with this support that's been sorely lacking. And when it comes to some of the benefits around the family and I guess, women's health space, it seems like there's been a big focus in the recent years also on things like fertility, but Clio is much, much more than that, right? Yeah, that's right. Um, there's definitely been um, an increased focus on fertility as well in the in the last almost 10 years, I would say, with some of the early innovators, even like, you know, McKinsey and some of the other consulting firms, some of the larger um, investment banks and private equity firms certainly took early steps there with companies like Progeny and with companies like Milk Store to offer breast milk shipping. 
What we've found in fertility is that there is so much needed in the way of emotional support and informational guidance that still isn't being filled and is a gap that Cleo is able to fill. So as someone may be contemplating their own fertility journey, their own parenthood journey, there's really nowhere to turn to for support with questions, for support mm-hmm. with information. I mean, people are still typing um, questions into Google and getting all kinds of noise and clutter. There's really no expert bird advice available. And there's certainly no emotional support with that coach model, with that guide-based model, where you have someone you can turn to as a trusted advisor and confidant who comes from a place of expertise to be able to surface you with, surface the right information to you and, and guide you to the right outcomes. That is so needed. I mean, personally, I've been considering egg freezing and looking at the benefits, you know, it's amazing that my future employer will have this benefit, but they just tell you, here's a lump sum amount of money that you can go use towards this, but then what, right? It's like, where, where do I go? Who do I trust? Where are the outcomes and quality going to be good? You know, like, should this even be something I do now versus later? And I have so many questions. So I can definitely see how that concierge support, the coaching, the guidance is crucial during a big decision like this, particularly. Exactly. It can feel really transactional without that layer of emotional support, that guidance and navigation. And that's exactly why Clio's care model is built around the guide experience. Amazing. So I want to learn a little bit more about how selling to employers actually happens and works. So there's so many of these different solutions. How do employers even decide what solutions to bring on? And tell us a little bit more about sort of the brokers and their role too. It's definitely a unique cup of tea, this channel, because for someone who works in HR benefits, you are constantly being pitched by different prospective vendors and by different point solutions that offer a slice of support, but there's a lot of benefits fatigue for folks who are working in this arena. And there's a desire for greater consolidation and more of a platform that can service multiple needs and multiple areas of support at once. And so that's the first thing I'll say there. The brokers and consultants play a really crucial role because they take it upon themselves to know the market, to know what's new, what's an emerging trend, what's evidence-based, what are the outcomes associated with an investment, right? To ensure that their clients um, are partnering not just with the right categories, but with the right vendors within each category who'll be able to drive impact and outcome and ROI. The brokers play a really crucial role and also from the benefits provider's point of view, from the vendor's point of view, to be able to get the right solutions in front of employers who are looking to spend and invest in those areas. So in a way, they're vetting, they're also an intermediary and a gating mechanism almost. Is that yeah. the right way to think about it? That, that is 100% accurate. And they're, you know, this is kind of their full-time focus and they have large teams that are thinking about this and partnering very closely on trends and themes and thinking about that outcomes and ROI. And so they're in a really great place to be able to broker exactly that relationship. Got it. And when it comes to Clio and how these benefits are structured with employers, is it a per member per month for employees who use Clio 
Or is there a different model that you guys have put in place? It varies depending on what the the client is focused on. For Clio, more generally speaking, I'd say that we are really utilization-based. So unlike the gym model where, you know, you kind of pay your annual membership and whether you use it or not, you're sort of billed at the end of the month or at the end of the year. With Clio, we really strive to show value to our clients and therefore bill on a utilization basis and really focus on delivering that outcome and that ROI that honestly makes Clio pay for itself, right? And to get into that a little bit more deeply, there's a lot of unnecessary costs associated with situations that can be prevented or can be handled more proactively to avoid them turning into kind of more expensive interventions that the employer is then, you know, beholden to pay for, right? And so mental health is is one example that we see a lot of opportunity in this prenatal and postpartum arena where we know that perinatal mental health disorders are extremely high, extremely expensive, and also extremely poorly supported and and very much underserved. And so with Clio, we're able to identify risk for these sorts of mental health and emotional wellness conditions and proactively identify them and get those members connected to the right support, whether that's through someone in Clio specialist network or whether that's directly to the to a therapist who's in network for that employee that in and of itself is a huge is a huge ROI for the employer right to be able to identify and get that member support in a timely way and that's just one example but there's a lot in the way of c-sections right unnecessary costs that related to c-sections that may not be necessary or may not even be the member's preference but due to a lack of information or a lack of awareness around how to advocate for oneself in the healthcare system, we end up in this country with a lot of unnecessary C-sections. And that's another area where we're really able to have an impact and to support our members with advocacy, with education, with training, and with access to the right providers who will support the best possible birth for that member. There's a lot of other areas that come into this realm as high cost in particularly, you know, the prenatal and postpartum period. But even for parents with older kids, there are huge, you know, we're seeing the numbers with um, neurodiversity, with autism, with ADHD, the costs are really staggering. And there's an opportunity to get those parents connected to the right kind of support more quickly and more efficiently. And, And that's exactly what we're focused on. Mm-hmm. And I imagine in addition to some of the preventative measures and also the better clinical outcome impact, there's this whole other category around productivity of employees, right? Whether it's people dropping out of the workforce because they don't have childcare or the right support in place, or just because of the pandemic, everything going on with just staying productive at work. That is 100% correct. And, you know, the data is reflected in our own surveys where we're seeing one out of three parents in our member base saying that they've either dropped out of the workforce or dramatically reduced their hours in order to provide childcare within their own families. And so the numbers really are staggering. I think all of the job losses that occurred in December of 2020 were attributable to women. And so um, what we're delivering in the way of support there is certainly in the realm of logistical, career-oriented, you know, mental health and wellness-oriented. And 
in that clinical realm still to, to a good degree, but also, like I said, with um, childcare, so much is logistical support, getting someone connected to the right resources, whether that is finding a caregiver who will come in home and support, you know, what works for that member's budget and that member's family values. Is it, you know, being able to help find a local resource that is taking adequate COVID precautions who can support that member with childcare um, on a weekly basis and those kinds of solutions. That's also a really big part of the off and, and something that we've seen tremendous uptake with this past year during the pandemic. Yeah, I read about the partnership with Urban Sitter, the on-demand childcare service to launch Clio Care and also Clio Kids um, to provide childcare for children up to 12. Can you tell us a little bit more about those programs and then also just holistically, what are this whole spectrum of services that Clio offers? Yeah, so we rolled out and launched two new products in 2020, one of which was Clio Care, and that's a partnership with Urban Sitter. And really focused on addressing that lack of support and childcare available to working families, you know, as businesses are continuing to transition and roll with the punches of COVID. And so that is really ensuring that members have access to the urban sitter platform to be able to source caregiving, but also to be able to source help with anything household related and has been something that there's been a lot of momentum around in our client base. And then The other product that we launched that we continue to be really excited about is Clio Marketplace. And Clio Marketplace is um, an expanded ecosystem of vetted partners who are offering uh, employers different solutions in different categories. So with Marketplace, Clio brings all of these different point solutions together in a single platform, which goes back to, you know, the, the fatigue that benefits buyers have around all of the different solutions they're being um, bombarded with and all of the different contracting that needs to happen across point solutions, that pain goes away with Clear Marketplace because it's all under a single umbrella. And so um, a lot of excitement with our clients for that, as well as for members who are able to access things like childcare, things like virtual enrichment, homeschooling, activities for their kids under that single umbrella. Interesting. And so are employers paying separately to get access to those additional services through the marketplace? Or is that sort of somehow baked into the Clio benefit? It's a hybrid model that depends on are there certain custom solutions that the employer wants added into marketplace, or is there more appetite for kind of the core marketplace that includes already a mix of vetted providers from Clio? And so it's a bit of a hybrid model that enables the employer to pick and choose a little bit from that menu. And how do you guys decide what types of services to offer and how to how to prioritize that when you're a growing startup with limited resources? That's a great question. We just in general are seeing such a boom in this space of parental support. And there are so many fantastic entrepreneurs who are getting behind, again, these areas that are really underserved or historically have been neglected, but are huge economic opportunities. And so from our point of view, it's less searching for the right solution and it's more identical identifying, you know, which solution, which partner really meets our standards and will be able to live up to the same level of member centricity and client centricity that we hold ourselves to at Clio. Because anything that we put in front of our members or recommend to clients, we want to make sure that it's evidence-based, it's robust, you know, it's scalable nationally, and that the experience will be one that is as, as high as we strive to provide at Clio itself. 
I want to return a little bit to the guide model. You mentioned these guides are coming from backgrounds from midwives to nursing to developmental psychiatry, and they're really the experts that are guiding the members through the whole experience and their journey. So how do people get matched up with guides? What does the relationship look like? How are they interacting? Is it virtual, in person? How does that all work? When someone enrolls in Clio, they answer a series of questions around, you know, where they are in their own journey, you know, their own background, their location, their language preference, and we're we're serving members in more than 55 countries. And so, as you can imagine, there's a lot of different variables to optimize for, but we have a large guide team that is also diverse in a way that matches to the demographics of our end users, of our members. And so based on what the member tells us, we match them to uh, an appropriate guide. And so we strive to match within the same time zone, within the same region, with culturally concordant care, linguistically concordant care. And so that's the, the first piece of it. From there, the member and guide engage in a number of different ways. So there's messaging through our app, which tends to be really high use because people love messaging. Um, just, just as you would message a friend or a family member, it's really the same kind of relationship that builds over our app. And then members are also spending a lot of time with their guides on video calls, on phone calls, really getting that support real time as well particularly when it is more session-based, when it's focused on a really specific topic or a deep dive into something that is more educational. That tends to happen over the, over what we call sessions, and those are both video and phone-based. And we see members interacting with their guides on an incredibly deep level where a lot of the time a member will actually reach out to their guide while they're in the hospital, before they reach out to you know their their friend or their best friend or their mother to seek guidance, because it's such a deep and trusted relationship, and it's a relationship that is truly free of judgment, right? Which is Ooh. really hard to find in the parenting space. Yeah. But a um, big part of our hiring process is to screen for neutrality and really no judgment whatsoever. And so we've had constantly have members who are talking to their guides from their hospital bed, from labor and delivery, where their guide is you. You know, even coaching them through that sort of prep and through breastfeeding, as an example, is something that is a really popular vertical of support for us because that's another place mm. in which you know, the healthcare system really falls short. To give you a sense of kind of how powerful the relationship is, I mean, we've had members who have named their babies after their guides. You know, we've had um, wow. you know, amazing <laughs> testimonials and um, life-changing stories come out of it. So it really is a, a unique and really special relationship. That is incredible. Hearing those testimonials and stories about how members have named their babies after Clio guides must be so motivating to see that you've earned that trust and that guides were there for them during those life-changing moments, like giving birth. That's really amazing. So breastfeeding is the popular vertical you mentioned. What other areas do parents usually have the most questions around? So breastfeeding is really popular um, and sleep coaching is really popular. Infant sleep coaching is another area in which, you know, it's been a little bit of a an area that's quite hard to find support in. You know, it's a very can be very judgment laden. And yet the impact of, you know, having your newborns or baby sleep through the night is tremendous, right? It's a huge mental health unlock for the parents. Mm. And so that's one that we see a ton of usage of. We also do a lot of career coaching and, and support 
around return to work. Mm. And, you know, we've found that 95% of CLIA members return to work or plan to return to work after parental leave and are really successful in doing so in large part because they're getting this constant coaching, you know, as they transition out of the workplace, as they, you know, recover during parental leave, and then as they ramp back up to return to work. And so um, I would say that's another really popular vertical. What are some of the challenges specific to return to work that have made it difficult in the past for parents? I would say the the few challenges that have made return to work hard, particularly in the US, one is just, you know, the lack of parental leave and we see a real mix across our client base. You know, we have some clients who offer six months, potentially longer of parental leave. And then, you know, some that really can't afford to to offer more than a month or two. And so we, we really see clients who run the gamut. And I would say that continues to be just a challenge around the fact that they're there, it isn't standardized. And in the US, it's not, it's not mandated on a universal level, right? And then I would say a lot has to do also with the experience with your manager and with your work culture when you go back into the workplace. We have found, and I, I think this is not at all a startling revelation, that a lot of um, an employee's happiness at work comes back to their manager, right? And there's this concept of winning the manager lottery where you get someone who's really empathetic and gets it and can hold hold a high bar and, you know, keep you accountable and push you while also being empathetic and flexible and supportive. And that's really winning the manager lottery. And that doesn't always happen. In fact, the manager is is often the number one reason for somebody to change jobs, right, or change their team. And so um, we actually launched a few years ago a program called Clio for Managers or Clio at Work, where we deliver coaching to the manager as well. To ensure that they know how to support and reintegrate a new parent while also managing the rest of the team, right? So that there isn't this perception of special treatment or different treatment and, you know, this expectation that everyone else has to absorb the load of the parent who goes out on leave. And there's a lot there. But to to go back to your question, I think a a big part of the challenge of parents who are returning to work is the the culture of, of their team, of their company, and how their manager approaches the whole transition in and out of the workplace. That is fascinating. I feel like employers should make that training mandatory for managers because I'm sure there's so much to learn there in terms of how to navigate those dynamics. So these Clio guides, are they part-time on the platform? Are they salaried or contractors? How does that work for us? So all all Clio guides are employees and um, it's a mix of part-time and and full-time. You know, we find that there's there's an appetite for both. You know, some people really prefer to be part-time because that gives them the flexibility to be home with their families as well. And, you know, a lot of um, guides who have young children are able to really lean into that part-time arrangement because it gives them that flexibility and then others really want to be full-time and so we have that aspect as well and a number of our guides um, particularly on the management front are full-time and so it's a mix all of our guides are remote and it's a very very collaborative team it's you know we refer to it internally as the guy hive mind where the, the guides are really kind of collaborating behind the scenes to ensure that the family being supported is is kind of benefiting from the whole knowledge base and and guide hive mind and that whole care mm. team even if it is that deep relationship with one guide 
that actually is a perfect segue to my next question, which was how has Clio built technology to facilitate some of these care coordination workflows? And is it something that you guys have built in-house to, to track patient records? Or is it something that you've sort of integrated into a full tech stack somehow? It's a mix. It's absolutely a mix. A lot of our tools and systems are built in-house and are really custom because our care model is really custom and care model has the one-on-one guide model. It also has parent cohorts. It also has group format coaching. And so in order to stay flexible and be able to accommodate and really accelerate all of those different aspects of the model, um, a lot of our tech stack is bespoke. Mm -hmm. That said, you know, when there is the opportunity opportunity to utilize something that's that's already built and can be used out of the box. We certainly lean into that. Um, I think, you know, tech is so different than it was when I graduated business school 10 years ago, where there were so many fantastic enterprise tools and in health tech in particular as well, right? There's so much that's powering the rise of this next crop of, of health tech companies that makes yeah. it really easy to plug and play. Yeah, there. I feel like every week I hear about a new API company for something interoperability related or making digital yeah. pharmacy better. So it's definitely making it easier, I think, for digital health companies to start up. And I think overall, that's a great thing for the industry. Absolutely. Great. Um, well, I want to transition gears a little bit into some parting reflections, looking back and looking forward. So I guess... Looking forward first, what is the mid to long-term vision as much as you can share for Cleo? Yeah, the mid to long-term vision is that there's still so much work to be done to ensure that working parents, working families are getting the support that they need. And as we've seen with 2020, you know, your work, so many of our members are working from home where, you know, your coworkers or your kids and you're sharing your office space and your home space. And it's a really different paradigm for how the future of work looks going into 2021 and beyond. And so for us, our vision is to be able to grow with our members and support them in all aspects of their family life as it pertains to parenting. So that is kind of hefty enough to keep us busy and and certainly where we'll continue to focus. And in accomplishing that journey, just because I know there's so many young professionals and MBAs who are interested in what Clio is doing, listening to this podcast, are you guys hiring for any functions in, in the near future? And what sort of roles are you expanding? We are hiring across the board. So we're hiring, um, we're always hiring on our engineering and product fronts, but we're hiring quite a bit in our operations team, as well as on our customer success front and sales and business development. So there's definitely lots there. And I, I would say more generally, you know, for someone who is either a recent college graduate or a recent business school graduate, the opportunities in healthcare and health tech right now are just endless. Like I said, I think over the last five years, five, 10 years, even just the this new crop of digital health focused, telemedicine focused, you know, really member centric focused companies is so exciting. And there's so much investment in this space as well. I think over the course of 2020, there was almost $9 billion invested globally into healthcare innovation. And so it's incredible timing for this sector in particular, and for someone who is passionate about, about healthcare and wellness and health tech, the timing couldn't be better. I could not agree more. I think the 2020 Rock Health Report 
quoted something like $14 billion invested in over 440 digital health deals in 2020 last year, which is an all-time high, clearly accelerated by the pandemic and the transition from virtual care being more of a want to more of a need. But healthcare leaders are always pontificating on what the new normal will look like. And I think we're seeing sustained commitment from investors. We're seeing behavior change from consumers and providers and pharma and, and payers and an unparalleled exit market. Absolutely. As you reflect on your own journey and your experiences throughout healthcare, throughout entrepreneurship and all the other consumer tech, enterprise tech companies you worked for, is there anything you would have done differently and any advice for other young professionals who maybe want to start their own company or do something entrepreneurial? Yeah, there's no regrets. So nothing that I, I would have done differently per se. For someone who is thinking of, of starting their own company, I would say really focus on uncovering what truly is your passion, what truly gets you excited and energizes you, you know, first thing in the morning, late at night, keeping you up in a positive way. Because when you are an entrepreneur, you're literally spending every waking moment thinking about that, you know, you're eating, breathing, sleeping, that problem space. And so make sure that it's something you're really excited about. It's something that um, you're really passionate about and, and can see yourself consuming in that 100% way. Great. Thanks so much, Natasha. This was a really fun conversation for me. And we learned so much about Clio and the family benefits space. So excited to share this with our listeners. Likewise, Danny. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you.